0: This episode of the Short Side Option Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Manhattan Brewing Company. Manhattan Brewing Company is located at 406 Points Avenue in downtown Manhattan, Kansas. Quality, community, and education are Manhattan Brewing Company's three pillars, and we are super excited to have them back for their second year as the title sponsor of the Short Side Option Podcast. With nearly 20 years of collective experience in the craft beer industry, Jake, Adam, and Garrett are focused on brewing and serving high-quality craft beer in a family-friendly atmosphere in the heart of downtown Manhattan. Manhattan is their home, and they want to bring the best possible beer experience and education to the wonderful people of Manhattan, creating a place for everyone to come out and have a good time with friends and cultivate a craft beer culture that Manhattan can be proud of. A couple of big events coming up at the brewery, kicking off today with the Stay Golden Release Party. Starting at noon... Come on out to the brewery for the release of Stay Golden, a golden ale brewed to honor former Kansas State football players. Proceeds will go to benefit the Golden Cats. Coming up in September, they'll have Stan Weber at the brewery for an evening with Stan Weber on September 9th from 530 to 830. Stan will chat with fans about Kansas State sports and raise awareness and funds for the Manhattan Walk to end Alzheimer's. The Pride of Wildcat Land will also make an appearance, so be sure to stop by the brewery for this great event. Also on September 15th, it's time for Oktoberfest at Manhattan Brewing Company. The final downtown MHK third Thursday is September 15th, and they are throwing an Oktoberfest celebration. They will be tapping a special cask of fest beer on the patio to kick off the celebration. The Streets of Points will be shut down so you can walk around sipping on some delicious fest beer while rocking out to the air guitar competition or checking out all the other third Thursday festivities. So bring your leader hosen and be ready for a party. Be sure to follow them on Facebook at www.facebook.com/manhattanbrewing and their website also at www.mhkbeer.com to stay up to date on all the latest events going on at the brewery. Great stuff there. Now it's time for Dilo and I to take a look at the Kansas State defense. This is the short side option. To have you with us here on another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. It's the 2022 Kansas State football preview, and today Lou and I are going to take a look at the defensive side of the ball. Uh, off of a unit last year that I think was uh, was a pretty darn good unit, kind of maybe what not, not quite at the top of the upper echelon uh, in terms of the Big 12, but one that was uh, I would think pretty. Well, universally agreed upon as certainly above average as compared to conference peers, and it's a it's a team and it's a side of the ball that brings back a lot of ta- uh, talent, especially on the defensive line and at the linebacker position. I think as well, you got two All-Conference performers uh, there, and then also some rising stars that uh, that you think that uh, could be a big make a big impact here in, in 2022. So, I want to get D'Lo in here. Delo great to see you. BK. Hi,
1: Icon. How's it going? It's going great, man. It's great to be back in, on another week as we've been doing really all year. Yeah. Um, talking K-State football. We're just a few weeks
0: away from the start of the season, and we're ready to talk about the lynch mob. You know, and this is a defense that has some holes to fill, um, especially maybe more in the back end, and I think that's one, uh, one of the areas of concern, I guess, that you may have about this defense but with kind of how they've pieced together that side of the ball, uh, or in that especially that position grouping, you have a little bit of more confidence uh, than maybe you would otherwise.
1: Yeah, I mean, we were talking uh, a little bit before we got started here, and I said my I think the real question mark here is really the safety position, and of course now that we're in the three three five, there's there's three of them. Yeah, you know, there's three safeties, right. and. Outside of T.J. Smith, the, the whole two deep seems pretty darn new, um, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but as far as the front seven goes, I, I think it's as comfortable as I've been on a position-to-position, position, you know, guy-for-guy guy, uh, in the front seven, or I guess front four or five now. Yeah, the, on, on, the yeah, on the... on the, on the, the alignment. Yeah. Uh, but... As far as those guys go in that first and second layer of the defense, I think it's as solid as K-State's been in a really long time.
0: You know, one thing that I think that you have to also look at is you've got Joe Klanderman now as a defensive co- coordinator entering his, uh, his third year at the helm of that position. 2020, obviously a little bit rocky uh, with you know not really quite knowing who you're going to have on a, on a week-in, week-out basis. Uh, but last year in his first full year, I would say under normal circumstances, you know, as a defense that, that kind of took on some water early on in the season, or early on the conference season, but look at the schedule. Oklahoma, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State uh, early on, you know, giving up uh, to Oklahoma State 31 points and really, uh, I think I would have to look back. I think twenty-eight of them were in the first quarter, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, and seven did, of those were on a gift. Uh, yeah, right uh, at right at the right, at the, uh, right at the goal line there, or actually no, it was a touchdown, wasn't it? Or did they recover to the one? I can't. I couldn't recall. I think it was a touchdown, maybe.
1: I can't remember. Yeah. It may have been a touchdown. Six, whatever, whatever it was, fifteen drops. Yeah,
0: and uh, you know that was one of those, and
1: they were, and that was the game where they were back on the field so fast. Now, yeah, if I remember right, Oklahoma State gashed us pretty good there. Yeah, they beat us up pretty good, but. My word, we were that. That defense was on the field for just about three straight drives. It seemed like um, weren't getting much possession there earlier in that game. But um, to your point, yeah, the uh, the defense was started off a little rocky. We, we weren't sure quite sure what kind of a unit we had out there, but can't overlook the injury to uh, Khalid Duke yeah. early on last year. Yeah, and that was, you know, in this kind of new. Defensive structure we had last season. Uh, Khalid Duke uh, was kind of the linchpin in there. Kind of, uh, I, I don't even know what whether he's the edge, kind of that hybrid yeah, pass rusher, linebacker. Absolutely. And when you lose a guy like that, and really he was just about the only guy that could play that position, kind of that hybrid rush, edge, linebacker that we had last year. Um, or that at least was ready to play. And so when he goes down, that's when you see Reggie Stubblefield come in, and create his legacy.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and that's a really good point because they had to kind of adjust things on the fly, right? There. And it, it took a little bit to figure that out. And I want to point to I think last year we talked about it, it you know, kind of when we were wrapping up the season and, and and with kind of our thoughts that Texas Tech game, defense pitches a shutout in the second half there and uh, keeps uh, Texas Tech out of the end zone. And does a little scoring themselves. A little scoring themselves where Felix Andaduke Uzama really has his, uh, you know, leaves his impact all over that game. I'd say maybe it's coming out party, but maybe that came a week later, depending on how you want to view it, uh, against Texas Christian. But uh, from that point on, uh, as K-State goes on a four-game winning streak, kind of in that, that, uh, you know, Back second third of the of the conference uh, schedule. Texas Tech. T- we Kansas State wins that game 25-24. Against TCU the next week, the, the four-sack, two force fumble game from uh, King Felix. K-State gives up 12 points, 10 points to KU, and then 17 points uh, to West Virginia. Now, K-State loses the last two games to Baylor and Texas, but in those games, only giving up twenty points uh, to Tech or twenty points to Baylor and twenty two points to Texas, so the defense comes to play.
1: In the, in that Baylor game, uh, several of those points came off uh, of a muffed punt. Yep, absolutely. So defense played lights out. Uh, really, that
0: second half of the year, yeah. and and maybe that's you know playing with some of the weaker teams, you know, in that middle stretch of, of that second half, but uh, in getting some of the better offensive teams out of the way. But uh, this defense, you can see, definitely took some improved strides uh, there later on in the season.
1: Yeah, and I think that a lot of the credit to that goes to guys like Reggie Stubblefield, who mm-hmm. obviously won't be around. Um, but really, the the main players on that defense last year are Daniel Green and Felix, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and the, the quarterbacks too, which well, we'll right, which we on. take yeah. as a given at this point because yeah. uh, Echo is. Um, you know, I think it was the KU game last year where somebody told me that, you know, Echo's going to have a great day and we aren't going to hear his name called once. And that's just because he's pretty uh, pretty locked down at this point. Um, and Brent's, of course, is... Uh, I think he improved a great deal uh, yeah. last season because at the start of the season, I wasn't quite sold. Um, but then as the season progressed, he started really coming into his own and being able to uh, hold up his end of the field.
0: You know, just a quick rundown here. I've got uh, old Philly Steele in front of me here. What's Phil have to say? K-State's defensive line, it races the third best in the Big 12. The linebacking core, second best. Defensive back's fifth best. A little bit of a question there. I, I don't know I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Well,
1: that probably includes the safeties.
0: It, it, it would include the safeties, and which so, are a question mark. But two really, really good cornerbacks— which, um, you know, he's got Julius Prince as his first team, uh, all Big 12 preseason. Echo Boido, 13. Wow. So, uh, you know, really with what you see there, that has the makings of one of the top couple units in the Big 12 in terms of a whole defensive uh, picture. And, you know, that's kind of, I think, where we both see this defense uh, shaping up here in 2022. So let's, let's just jump right into it, Dell. What do you say? Let's do it. All right, let's look at the defensive line first. Well, I, absolutely. It's an exciting group. It is an exciting group, and it's headlined by uh, Felix sanduque uh You know, a, a guy that could be an All-American uh, here at Kansas State comes off of He should have been year. an All-American last year. Yeah. But. And, you know, last year was a tough year for him to probably get on that All-American team just because being a little bit of a younger guy, a bit of an unknown, uh in a very strong defensive uh, defensive in-class uh, throughout the country yep. uh, as well. But Felix Anduque is on 11 sacks. He's a preseason Big 12 Conference Defensive Player of the Year this year here in 2022. So his name is definitely on the radar for sure, and, and for good reason. A guy that was uh, a consistent performer for K-State throughout the last year. His his big game, of course, against TCU with the, with the four sacks and two forced fumbles. But this is a guy that has star potential at that defensive end spot.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's what, what can you say about him? He, he does everything. He's lightning fast. He's, he's a sure tackler. He's got all sorts of rush moves that, whether he's going to bull rush you or, or spin to the outside, he, he can really do it all. Um, you see his name popping up on mock drafts for next year, and it's yeah. easy to see why. Um, now, what we really didn't see a lot of last year is, that I expected us to see more is when Felix was getting disproportionate attention pretty much every game after the TCU game, we didn't really see that other end really make a ton of noise. And maybe that's just because with our configuration last year, we, we were only rushing three for the most part. Um, but I think with Matlack this year, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, It'll be interesting to see how his development and his improvement um, goes, and whether that disproportionate attention Felix gets, the double teams that are going he's gonna face all year, will really open things up for uh, the Nate Matlacks, the Khalid Dukes, the, the Sean Robinson, or whoever is coming from the second layer to really make K State sack numbers jump this year.
0: Yeah, the, you know there are three or four guys at that, that defensive end position. That I, I've got my eyes on, uh, obviously King Felix, uh, Cody Stufflebean, uh, Nate Matlack, and uh, Jaden Pickle. Uh, I I think uh, you know with Jalen Pickle, this is a guy that has played a lot of football for K State, and, and to have that that rotation to keep these guys fresh, we saw kind of towards the end of the year. As but in the one game that really sticks out to me is that Texas Tech game here. I think it's like you know fourth and fifteen. Texas Tech has yeah. their their last chance. Uh, to uh, To try to extend the game, uh, to to try to kick a field goal there, with, by the way, with a kicker that can hit from 60 yards, right. you know, as you saw a little bit later in the season against Iowa State. But as they're, you know, trying to pick up some uh, another first down, because if they get that first down, they're they're getting close to field goal range, if not already in it. And you see Nate Matlack uh, be able to kind of use that speed to get around the end pocket breaks down. And he's able to to get a, a clean, free shot there at the quarterback to end the game and and to uh, to take any of the drama out of the final minute of that game. And really, I think that's a little bit to to what I'm I'm kind of getting at here. You have guys that you can rotate throughout, and, and you get a guy that's a little bit fresher, you know, uh, at the end of the game or later on in the game, makes a big difference. Absolutely, and, and I think there's enough bodies to where you're going to see. Obviously, Felix ananduke zombie. you don't want him coming off the field. But between uh, Jalen Pickle, uh, a guy I'm looking forward to seeing maybe what he can add to the mix, Cody be Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I really see that this group is in a pretty good place here as we head into 2022. You always wonder to see if there might be some other guys that kind of step up in, in there as well. But uh, with where you feel like at, from the defensive end perspective, you feel pretty good.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think... Probably top to bottom defensive end is probably our best unit on the team. Yeah, I mean, we I think definitely
0: that, make that argument for sure.
1: They just the, the names across the board with, and if you want to throw Khalid Duke in there, and why not? Um, but I that's the position I'm most comfortable with. Now, obviously, we talked about it last week. An injury to Felix would be devastating. You lose an All American. You cannot replace a Felix Andy Davis. Cannot cannot do it. Um, but that's a position that I do think we have some depth in, and they're not all all Americans, but I think that we have legitimately four guys on our 2D that could be, that are solid, at least solid Big 12 starters at the defensive end position.
0: You know, one thing that I think may have gotten uh, a little bit lost in the shuffle, uh, you know, as, as, uh, transfer portal was kind of coming in and coming out, but I think maybe one of the biggest, um, I guess additions, I use that word kind of in air quotes a little bit, uh, to this 2022 team is Eli Huggins coming back yeah. uh, at the defensive tackle position, you know, kind of, I guess, the the word was that it, it was probably not gonna, that he was not planning on coming back, uh, after the, the 2021 season, just to, to end his college career, but he decides to come back, and you know, in, in a couple of his interviews, just feels like this team has a lot of potential, and he still has some unfinished business at Kansas State, uh, but to get him back really solidifies that defensive tackle position. And as a guy that really between him and Timmy Horn last year, uh, provided a nice little, uh, nice little mix in the interior there. Uh, a lot's going to be asked of him uh, here as kind of the main guy there at the defensive tackle position for Kansas State,
1: right? And in, in this three-three-five kind of lineup, the defensive tackle is kind of a little unheralded. I mean, mm-hmm. his his primary job, what he's doing, is for the most part eating up blockers, yep, and freeing things up for that second layer. The Daniel Greens, the last year Cody Fletchers, this year Will Honus some of those second-layer guys to, to open up the uh, slots for him to get in there and, and wreak havoc. Uh, and Huggins is great for it. I mean, I, he's a big body. He's a guy who's been in the defense, knows what he's doing. Um, behind him, you know, it's uh, not quite as confident in the too deep behind Eli as I am, the defensive end position. But Robert Hintz, been around a while. We're going to see Damian... I olive. I olive, And then
0: Uso say Seymalo. Se malo. Right. Great hair. You know, and a guy uh, coming out of the junior college ranks at Garden City Community College uh, is a guy that, you know, you can't really teach that size. Uh, I'm looking here. They've got him listed at, oh my gosh, 6'3", 3'10". That's a big boy. That's a big boy. That's a lot of
1: beef. And that's... That's kind of the uh, ideal male form for that defensive, that nose guard so position. And so, I'll uh, pull I, I think Huggins is, is going to be very good for us. If one of those other guys can step up to, to spell him out, whether it's Hanzialo or uh, our friend from Garden
0: City. What's his name again? Uso Seumalo. Uso. Uso. Seumalo. That's what I'm seeing here on, on, on our lads, oh, where I go to for all depth chart needs. That's right. So, nonetheless, not
1: cover's not bare behind Eli, but I, I think Eli is going to fill that role very well. And, again, not get his name called a whole bunch, but a very important part, uh, kind of doing the ugly work in that defensive front.
0: You know another guy, too, in. We may we may talk about him a little bit in the linebacker group, but I, I think he deserves a little bit of mention here too as Khalid Duke, right? Uh, because he's listed, you know, depending on how you want to look at things, as one of uh, one of the three linebackers in, in some previews. You know, w- with him coming off of you know major knee injury uh, the previous year, I I think maybe he's going to be looked to rush the passer primarily. I, I think he's probably better suited to come. Uh, from one of those defensive end positions with the hand in the ground, uh, just based off of you know what I think is probably his strengths. Uh, that's another guy that you can add into that defensive end rotation that uh, will be suited. Will probably be counted if he gets, you know, early on. I, I think they're going to have him on a bit of a pitch count. Um, you know, maybe twenty, twenty-five snaps a game. I think that's optimistic. <laughs> you think I think that's optimistic. I. I mean.
1: I'm not counting on a lot from Khalid Duke, only because coming off an injury, still, you know, fall camp is now here, and he's still not really extremely involved. If if he can give us anything, great. Because his freshman campaign was something to behold, particularly that Oklahoma game, where he really took over that game in the second half for Kansas yep, State. Yeah, he absolutely did. And, um, but brutal injury and tough to come back from and I'm not loving that he's still uh, sidelined a little bit even yep. here in August so uh, if we get anything from him fantastic um, that that is gravy that's found money exactly but I'll I'm gonna have to see him out on the field making plays before I'm ready to consider him a uh, a real important part of this twenty twenty two campaign.
0: You know what I think I saw something from Chris Kleinman saying that uh, they're gonna be very smart with how they handle uh Khalid Duke, which I think is great. I'm glad they're being very smart just uh, as and, compared to just to being smart.
1: Well i be smart with how you handle everybody.
0: Yeah, just just do it for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Don't just be like <laughs> don't very willy nilly. Yeah, don't just be very smart with how you handle Khalid Duke. Be very smart with how you handle everybody. Yeah. Like I don't
1: don't make any personnel decisions, you know.
0: Without being very smart. Exactly. So, uh, that that's one thing to definitely keep an eye on uh, as he comes back from injury, but I think that's just another name you throw in there at that, that defensive line position, especially at the end spot, that that gives K-State a lot of really quality depth, uh, and depth that's not only, you know, we feel good about, but has played quite a bit for Kansas State, right. and, and I think that's, uh, that sort of... Um, experience, that sort of having seen the bullets fly, so to speak, important.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So let's go ahead, and we feel good about the defensive line position. Yeah. Let's jump to the next level. Let's go back to the linebackers. Let's do it. Daniel
1: Green. I think it starts with Daniel Green.
0: Daniel Green has been at Kansas State. I remember when we got him. Gosh, I want to sit now I'm, I'm... Saying he was in that 2016 class, I want to say, out of Portland, Oregon, we we had a hold off, uh, I believe, some late interest from uh, Oregon and Oregon State, but our chief competition there was was Utah, four star recruit coming out of out of high school, and you know really was a guy that was looked at as hey, this could be the next great one in terms of K State linebackers, right. and. Last year, he was being thrust into a big-time role. Uh, you know, he had kind of shared some time with a little bit with uh, with uh Eli Thrust Sulkin. into his,
1: a big-time role. He was a senior, but...
0: Well, he was thrust into being the guy at the linebacker yeah. position, rather than just having, you know, because Justin Hughes was still there. Uh, well, and he had a rough first...
1: He had a rough time. Yeah, I mean, he had he like a like tough time is. to get, get on the field. Was, the game was the game looked like it was moving extremely fast for him. Found himself really just kind of a maniac back there, where he just wasn't um, extremely reliable his first few years on the field. Um, and so that I think that kind of adds some context to this thrust into yeah. That, thrust that's what I was really job, yeah. At too.
0: instead of saying oh this is just wide eyed freshman getting in here that right. that wasn't quite the case but. You do have a guy that, you know, at least had been in the program for a while. And last year, honestly, that was a big question mark. Absolutely. The season's linebacker. Yeah. And, and I remember being on the on the podcast last year coming in and saying, you know, how this, how this coaching staff did not address the linebacker position, really other than with Eric Munoz out of uh, Utah State in the transfer portal. How did they not do anything in, in terms of getting – somebody that would be able to come in and play, you know, a consistent 15 to 20 snaps a game at that position Uh, with with Fletcher, uh, Cody Fletcher and and Daniel Green being the two, you know, lead linebackers. Where was that going to come from? Right. uh, But, I mean, Daniel Green was tremendous last year, really, for K State. He's kind of one of those guys that's probably a little bit flying under the radar in terms of where he, you know, is looked at in terms of his peers in the conference and maybe even nationally as well. But the linebacking position, you feel pretty good about as long as they're able to stay healthy because K-State does go out into the transfer portal this year and uh, gets uh, gets a Will Honus out of Nebraska, another one of uh, uh, the, the, the uh, fellows from the Cornhusker State moving a little bit further south here uh, with Adrian Martinez on the offensive side of the ball, Will Honus on the defensive side of the ball, and he'll be looked at to add – uh, to this linebacking core. This is a guy that's also coming off of an injury uh, at Nebraska, and, and you kind of do wonder about his availability. But if he's able to play, I think this linebacking core, uh, if he's able to get back to the level that he was at at Nebraska, I think this is a linebacking core that you, you look pretty, pretty favorably upon.
1: Yeah, I mean, everything we're hearing about Will Honus is, is positive. Um, Daniel Green, at this point, I mean, last year, the guy played at an all-conference level. I don't think there's any doubt about that. No, uh, no question. He missed a little bit of time with uh, the targeting stuff. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and when he missed time, it it really showed. Because that's the level he was playing at. He was, I mean, I I think Felix and and Daniel Green last year are 1A, 1B in terms of the defense's most important players. Yeah. and so this year is coming in to, to really put his stamp on his career at K-State. And I think he has every opportunity to do it because he is uh, – there's not – I mean, uh, just like last year, it's Felix and Daniel Green. And those are the two guys that I think are bona fide stars on this defense. Um, and I expect Daniel Green to have a, an enormous season. And Will Honus, um, you know, I – frankly, I, I don't know – too much. What to expect out of him? Other than it sounds like he's a sure hand, um, and we'll will fill that role fine as well.
0: Toby Osanami, a guy out of Wichita, freshman. Raw, raw, but possibly when when I mentioned Daniel Green as uh, when he when he signed at Kansas State. This could be the next guy when you when you. Go back in the in the time machine six years. This is a guy that could be the next great linebacker at Kansas State. Kinda of feel that same way about Toby. Will he be asked to contribute, you know, in kind of part time uh in a, a part time role as a freshman? You know, perhaps. I wouldn't be surprised to see him play in four games, maintain that red shirt. But I, I think that's another guy that you're gonna look at the linebacking position here. When we get into twenty twenty three, uh as a guy that's probably going to be a leader in that group, because this is this group from what you see on the two deep, very upper class with heavy.
1: Don't forget about Jake Clifton, who's uh, kind of that next class of K State linebackers. Guys that, like Toby, I, I'd be surprised if they were being counted on significantly this year, but guys I wouldn't be shocked to see some get some run at some point, um, hopefully in some garbage time. Uh, but yeah, I, mean, I think the future is bright at the linebacking spot. And this year, though, I think it, it starts and ends with... I think, we, I think we know what to expect out of Daniel Green. He is the freak athlete. He's playing at a very high level, in the right spot at all the right times. Will Honus, that, that other linebacker position, whether it's Will Honus, whether it's somebody like Austin Moore, who I hear is in some competition too, um, I think that second linebacker spot is will be more interesting to see how how that role gets filled.
0: You know, and another guy too. Uh, that's a, a little bit of the younger pups on the uh, in the linebacking core is, is a guy who I know that you're you're fired up about. and That's Creep Jackson. Uh, with, with what he can possibly bring to the table with his long athletic frame, uh, I know that that's a guy that uh, you wish you could you could throw another 15, 20 pounds. Oh Lordy. He-
1: Throw 40 pounds on. It. He could he's probably like 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. Um, no, I... Every every time the, they update the roster on K-State Athletics, K-State I'm his is the first profile I look at to see if he's ever going to get over 204, 206 pounds or whatever he's been for the last few years. But, um, yeah. I think that... I, I need to see him put on some more weight. He needs to be at least 220. And even then, it, with his frame, he's still pretty darn uh, thin.
0: Well, and that's kind of the nice thing. I'm really looking forward to that South Dakota game because if things go well, K-State's got this game well in hand, you know, entering the third quarter, and you can maybe get some of those guys to rotate in. With Crew Jackson, he's already burned his red redshirt year. Uh, so, you know... No, no pitch count, no game count for him to really necessarily be on. Uh, I would love to see him get into some action, uh, but I wanted to kind of go back to here to with this with this linebacker and crew. I think one guy that I think might be uh, that kind of that X factor in that group is uh, a Missouri transfer. Uh, transfer. Well, he started his career at quarterback with Texas Christian. Transfer to Missouri. Also, uh, switch sides of the ball there to, the, to, uh, to safety. And I think he's going to be looked at uh, as one of the linebackers here for K-State, a guy that you can move down to the box or maybe even use uh, as a safety, and that's Sean Robinson. Right. Uh, and that's a guy that I think can bring a lot of maturity to that group, just having been around the, the game for as long as he has, played at the safety level. Also, he's played as a quarterback, so it gives that a little bit of a different dimension Uh, That Missouri game uh, week two, you know, certainly is of interest to K State and uh, uh, to K State fans all across all across the state and all across the country, uh, welcoming a a familiar foe back to Manhattan. But uh, Sean Robinson is another guy I think that is going to be playing a lot of football for K State, and you know, you mentioned that other linebacker position. Could he step in there? Probably not so much on the inside guy as an inside guy with like Will Honus and, and Daniel Green. But as one of those outside linebackers, uh, I think he's a guy that gives you a lot of options there.
1: Yeah, and really, his—I mean, when I think of Sean Robinson, I just think of versatility. Yeah, he's a—he's a guy that you can put in that safety or, like you said, bring him down into the box and really just be a a maniac in the middle of the field and, and block passing lanes. You're comfortable with him in coverage. You're comfortable with him tackling. Maybe a guy like Reggie Stubblefield. That's
0: exactly what I was just kind of a
1: Swiss Army knife where he can mix it up. And with Sean Robinson in particular, I I feel like he's. How heavy is he?
0: He's listed here at. Let me see. I just had him on my. Because he he strikes me as a little thicker. Yeah, he's listed at 6'1, 231. A lot of beef. A lot of beef. So this is a guy, and you know, just with his ability and coverage skills as a safety. You know, does he maybe kind of fit into that maybe that nickel role? Uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't. I don't know quite exactly what he's able to do in terms of coverage uh, on maybe some of those faster slot guys. Maybe, maybe that's uh, you know you feel comfortable with him on a tight end or or maybe a bigger bigger yeah. running back necessarily. But I, I agree, it's a guy that you can maybe deploy in a couple different positions. How you saw Reggie Subblefield use last year, really more in and around the box, uh, right? As we got later on in the season. Don't know if it's quite the same skill set there, necessarily. Oh, it's, it's, I don't think it's... I, I, I'm not yeah, comparing exactly. them at all. No, I'm just sure. saying
1: that they fill that kind of wild card role on the defense where it's you're really just asked to do it all. I mean, we need you to get into the backfield when, it, when the time calls. You need to be able to cover wide receivers and defend against the run. And it's really that old-school, strong safety kind of mentality where you are... I think Sean Robinson could fill that void pretty well.
0: We mentioned uh, Austin Moore and Nick Allen as guys that also provide depth for that group. Those are guys that have played a lot of football at K State. With uh, with Austin Moore, he's he's gotten in. Nick Allen, same as well. More a little bit more so than Allen, but uh, guys that you know can provide a, a spell. You know, if if a guy goes off with a with a with a stinger or a little bit of an injury for a series or two that you feel that can come in and do an adequate job. So really when you look at this linebacking crew, we've touched on some names that you might hear more of in some coming years, and then but also some guys that are capable backups here with some experience. So to me, it's a group that has, that has what you're looking for there. Of course, health is, is of, of maybe of a concern, especially with Will Honus and what he might be able to bring to the table, but linebacking core-wise – feel pretty good.
1: Yeah. No, I I think we have, I mean, I think Daniel Green, like I said, is, is an absolute star. Uh, and I think his supporting cast is, is perfectly adequate too. Um, at worst. And so anything we can get from, uh, from Will Honus, anything we can get from Sean Robinson, um, Khalid Duke, of course, I, depending on his role, uh, more. And, uh, Alan, I think uh, I think it's a it's a room that you look at and you think, okay, we've got some really good players here, and if again it's two D backups, they're guys we can count on too.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So let's jump back to the final level, and that's the secondary.
1: Let's start with the cornerbacks.
0: Yeah, let's go ahead.
1: Let's 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 start with the the easier task. Echo Boydo and uh, Julius Prince. Not a lot of question marks there.
0: You know, really, with where I I come at, when you look at the top two, with with those guys at at the cornerback position, I've studied. You know what you see throughout the rest of the Big Twelve. I think that's as good of a group of of a top two uh, cornerbacks that you're going to find in the conference. Well,
1: when is the last time K State had two two cornerbacks that were both, you know, at least second team All Big Twelve caliber? I feel like you have to you go know, back quite a ways.
0: You go back and you probably look at that 2017 team with, uh, with um, Duke Shelley and DJ Reed. Yeah. Uh, you maybe look back, you know, even if you want to go back a step further, you maybe look at uh, Nigel Malone and uh, Bubba Chapman at, at the cornerback position. But I, I think you look at, at, at what K-State can bring with those guys. And Now, no knock to... Duke Shelley and DJ Reed, a little bit more diminutive in size. Uh, with, with Julius Prince, I mean, you got a guy that really looks the part there. I mean, 6'2", 6'3", yeah. six, six, two, six, uh, two 225, 230, somewhere around there. Uh, Echo Boydo, I remember when we got him out of Lawrence Free State. Uh, this is a guy that when he, we first kind of got him, you didn't quite know exactly where he was going to fit at, but you knew he had a lot of speed. And I remember when he got into, uh, kind of got thrown in the fire in, in that 2020 Oklahoma game. Uh, he, I think I, I think it was at the K-State Catbackers. It was either the K, or the, the KC Catbackers here uh, at Sporting Park just uh, back this spring where Bam Malone was up there talking. And he's like, you know, this is a, this is a guy that when we thrust him into that role, uh, we, he was earlier in that week before the OU game. He was playing scout team offense. And then, um, you know, we found out a couple guys from, from uh, the defensive back side in, in the defensive back room weren't going to be able to play that game due to COVID. And uh, I came up to him and he said, hey, you're going to be our, our starting quarterback uh, this Saturday. He took it head on. And that's a position he's locked down ever since. Right. And, you know, some of those some of that case, I mean, in, in 2020... In a normal year, you might not see Echo Boydow on the field. Uh, you know, at least at least at the the amount of playing time that he received. But this is a guy that, since he's taken that position, he is really kind of locked down that side of the field. And when I say locked down, I mean people don't throw to him right he, his way much. Uh, and I, I think you mentioned a good point from from what you were uh, talking about at last year's uh, KU game.
1: Yeah, that the, <laughs> you will not hear his name called.
0: And he'll have a great game.
1: He'll, he'll have an excellent game. And the way you'll know that is that he'll have two tackles.
0: Two tackles, maybe a pass breakup, and that's about it. Yeah. And, you know, really, you look at what Julius Prince has done. He came in with a lot of value as a transfer out of Iowa. High, a lot of value. High, I believe, is a high four star recruit at Iowa. Mm hmm. Bounced out of there. It wasn't a situation where he was necessarily being pushed out. It was just, hey, I I, I want to do something different. I want to go someplace new. And he came to K State, and he had a little bit of a tough. I, I want to say he was a little unlucky in, in, in some of those early games where you know the coverage was good, but he he gets uh he gets you know a, a pass caught over him and it's really good coverage. You know that sometimes happens. But really, he he's played solid, um, a solid cornerback for K State and first team All Big Twelve. Uh, really, kind of looked at as a guy that could be a big time player at the next level. Uh, maybe his best football uh, is to, to show out here this year and in future years. But this is a guy that, from what you look at from the potential side of the, side of the uh, the field could easily match what Echo Boydo has has done and gives K-State two really, really, really good quarterbacks.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you were reading Phil Steele earlier, and he has uh, Julius Prince as first team. Yeah, right. He does. And, and in my pea brain head, I'm like, well, I think Echo is probably the sure hand back there. But maybe he's going on potential or what. He sees the frame that makes everyone drool, and why not? But um, – anyway I agree with you I, I think Julius Bre could have a, a huge season for K State um, and really just reach the not that he had a bad season last year but he could really become an, an all-time Kansas State cornerback um, if he if he can reach his potential and I think that he has the opportunity to do it this year
0: well let's well, you want to stay with the cornerbacks, or you want to go to the safeties? Right?
1: Let's let's go to the safeties. And okay, this to me is like the hardest group to prognosticate. Probably the hardest unit to prognosticate for K State this season, just because it is TJ Smith and and a bunch of new faces.
0: Yeah, and TJ Smith had a, had a bit of a rough go last year. I know he, there were some injuries that he was battling. But yeah, this is this is a case right now with what I kind of felt Case they did previously in the secondary, where you throw some names at it, you throw some bodies at it, and, and you come up with a combination. Might take three or four games, but you come up with a combination of a, of a guy of you know five guys back there, two of which you pretty much can write in, write in stone, right? Barring now. injury, yeah. Yeah, and you, then you have three guys. Whether if it's now. You know, we mentioned Sean Robinson earlier. Does he maybe solidify himself back there in the secondary, or is it more a linebacker? Or is it a little bit of both? Uh, I think all all three of those options are really on the table for Kansas State. But you've got guys like Josh Hayes, who uh, Kleiman and his staff are, are of course, somewhat familiar with. Started his career at North Dakota State. Yeah, in deck. And then uh, went up uh, to uh, Charlottesville, played some – football there at at, uh, the University of Virginia. Now, he transfers to Kansas State. I think he's going to be looked at as probably one of the leading candidates uh, to solidify another uh, safety position. And then you have a couple other guys, uh, you know, with Justice Clemens, another guy, more of a quarterback, but, you know, versatile enough to maybe get into the safety mix. Uh, But also Kobe Savage is another guy who's uh, kind of drawn Rave reviews her early on here in fall camp and throughout. Uh, kind of what folks have talked about. Is that Antoine's boy? <laughs> maybe, maybe, could be. I, my 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 research does not yield any uh, any familial ties there. Antoine Savage was a heck of a wide receiver. He was. He had he had some good days against Kansas State back in yeah. two thousand.
1: Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, like you, I. It's. Throw numbers at it. I, I think that if uh, if Hayes can secure one of those spots, I'll feel pretty darn good about where we're at. You know, T.J. Smith's another guy who had a huge campaign in 2020. Um, just an absolute headhunter back there.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I remember we were watching that game, I think, at a Tanner's when they were playing Texas Tech. And, and I said, when, when did Jared Cooper come... Did he have an extra year of eligibility that I didn't quite know about? Because that's what it almost looked like That there.
1: I, I think I've talked to you about that Ron Prince recruit that I just loved. Um, it was like Rodney Hayes or something.
0: Oh, he oh, was yeah. like
1: early, early, like maybe like class of 06 or something. But um, his his uh, video on inside.kstatesports.com, which, great. Like, my favorite RIP. website ever. RIP. Um, was just him just obliterating people. And that's kind of what TJ Smith reminded me of his freshman year, is just out there, just an absolute missile towards a ball carrier. But, uh, like you, yeah, he he struggled some last year, a little banged up, and felt like he got a little bit lost back there, and... and uh, had a hard time finding his way into the lineup. I think he'll be counted on this year to, to give K-State some snaps back there at the uh, safety position. But he'll be one of many because there's really five or six guys back there that I think any one of them, uh, rather any three of them, could find their way into uh, the starting lineup on any given
0: Saturday. Yeah, you know, and another guy I want to mention was uh, Drake Cheatham, uh, a guy that comes uh, to K-State uh, from Prairie View A&M. Uh, home of uh, Reggie Stubblefield. Yeah. So going back to the well there of uh, at, at Prairie View uh, to find another guy that might be able to... How many blocked punts did uh, Drake Cheatham have last year? Again, my research is inconclusive. I, I think it was somewhere north of 7, but also <laughs> south of 12. So okay. any, anywhere, it, it's up, it's 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 up for grabs. But, uh, you know, hey, go back to the well. It was good to you once. Yeah. Go, go till it's dry. But... Another guy that could uh, be looked at as uh, an option there at the safety position. Uh, and then Justice Clemens at, uh, at, uh, at another safety position, uh, filling in there kind of as well. Uh, from Tyler Junior College down in Tyler, Texas, uh, a guy that came to K-State with Gavin Forsha, who uh, was a linebacker recruit that, that K-State was able to sign over USC. With, with Forsha, we, we didn't mention him in the linebacking group. But let's talk about him
1: because I have a theory. I think Forsha is going to be kind of I think they're calling him a linebacker, but I think he's going to end up being a little bit more of an edge
0: guy. Yeah, I kind of I kind of see that too just based off of what I saw from his tape. Yeah, because
1: his tape was just exclusively rushing the quarterback. Yeah. That, that was really. And maybe what I saw. maybe he develops into something where he does get a little more comfortable in coverage or actually playing the the linebacker role, but um, a little bit undersized, I feel like, to be to be an edge. But, you know, if, if you can get to the quarterback, you can get to the quarterback. Yeah. And, uh, but I think, I'm not counting on Forsha to, to deliver a whole lot this year, but a guy that I'm pretty excited about moving forward.
0: So the safety position. We, we have some question marks there. Well, the question marks
1: in that there's, like we said, six names or so. There
0: are six games. We just don't know maybe the order of what those are, but... In terms of talent and in terms of, I think, kind of a track record that this coaching staff uh, with, with Chris Kleiman really coaching the defensive backs and with Joe Klanderman having had some success being able to piece together guys in that secondary, I don't feel bad about
1: it. No, personnel-wise, I feel like we have enough that a few of them are going to be all Big 12 players, or not all Big 12, uh, but fine Big 12 starters. Yeah, and I think uh, you know with the with the rest of the defense, with the pass rush, with, with the linebackers that we feel good about, with the corners that we feel great about, that their job isn't going to be um, extremely taxing. I mean, I I think that they can they have roles to fill, but it's harder for to be a safety if the rest of the defense isn't getting a pass rush and corners are blowing coverage and all that stuff. So I, I think that they're coming into a good situation here. But, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see who we see back there on a, getting the bulk of the snaps, which three guys.
0: You know, another guy that we need to mention, too, as, as uh, possible, you know, see some time in, in the nickel position. Also, maybe see some time back at, at one of the safety positions is Sincere Mason. Yeah. Uh, another guy that is, has played some football coming off of some injury. Uh, as well but you know that just add another name there right know, to, to to the uh, to the list uh, for for potential options in that secondary
1: yeah I mean I think outside of echo and uh, Julius Brant, it's gonna be we'll, we'll have a better idea of what what the rest of the defense looks like or the rest of the secondary looks like probably when the calendar turns to October
0: exactly and that's what I was gonna say it is I think it's a little bit of a um, you know, kind of a failed exercise to really try to point down exactly who it's going to be that that gets the first series on uh, September third against South Dakota because I would almost bet you that the the five names you see in that secondary, two or three of those are, are going to change on a week to week basis based upon play, based upon matchup. We saw Case State use that a little bit more, uh, you know, based upon. You know, if you're, if you're playing against a team that's going to really be a little bit more run focused, y- you saw them kind of evolve that scheme into walking an extra guy down there, looking maybe more like a 4 2 5 in some cases.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, a situation where Josh Hayes is going to be really helpful.
0: Yeah, it, it, that's the guy that I think I'm counting on most in, in that secondary, is a guy that has played considerable football, played at the power five level. Also has some experience, kind of with some of the terminology uh, mm-hmm. that, that you may see from from uh, a crossover of staffs there. So I I, I think that you'll look at this posi- this position group. Oh, go ahead. I
1: said Josh Hayes. I meant Sean Robinson, that Sean guy Robinson. who can come down yeah, and, and fill sure. that linebacker spot and, against and, the and run that, of heavier teams.
0: And that may be. And, and we were kind of going to different different uh, talking points right. there in terms of in terms of roles, but. I, I think Josh Hayes probably has that. If we're going to stay in a, our traditional three-three-five base, I think he's probably the most likely uh, candidate in that safety at that safety position, and that's going to be the guy that's going to be in the middle of that defense as a free safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I look at that, and I look at enough other names around that I have enough faith that will make it work.
1: Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not worried per se about the safeties. Um, but it's the unit on the defense that just the sheer volume of new names that, and, and the rest being so sure, the other uh, eight starters on the defense being such sure things, it seems like, that uh, to the extent there's any question about the defense, it lies in who's going to be in the back end.
0: I think safety, and we, we've echoed this already, is, is the biggest question mark. Now, what I will say is this, is last year going into, at this time last year when we were setting down previewing it, linebacker was the biggest question mark at yeah. K-State. I was at like a, I'll say it, well, on a scale of 1 to 10, I was at probably an 8 in terms of my concern level for that position group. From what I'm at with this group, it's like a 3. Yeah, I'd say 3 to 4. Yeah, and I really, just with the number of, number of players that we have in those in those roles, I feel pretty good about that. So. That kind of runs it down here for the defense.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a unit that, like we said, played pretty darn good last year. I think it's better this year.
0: Yeah, I think it should be.
1: Um, I I just, I think guys like Nate Matlack, who was a nice piece last year, but didn't really make a, a, a whole ton of noise. But I think he could have a breakout campaign. He's probably the person on defense I'm most excited about this year. Um, really... If he plays at the level I expect him to, especially with Felix occupying so much attention, then I think Nate Matlack uh, is a guy who could get seven, eight sacks this year.
0: You know, when you look at where K-State ranked last year, in terms of yards per play in conference games, they best defense. Yeah. I would expect them to, to finish right around there. Now, last year they were at uh, a little over five and a half yards per play. I look to have them drop that down a little bit uh, and and be a little bit more stingy. Last year, best defense, and and, you know, really the—I think we've talked about long enough now. The talking point that the the Big Twelve is all just uh, an offense-driven league, and every every Saturday, it's you got to you got to score sixty points to have a chance. Yeah, those days are long gone. I mean, you saw with what Oklahoma State did on defense last year—one of the top. And now, they're losing a lot in terms of returning talent and also replacing a defensive coordinator there. But you see the two teams that finished top in terms of yards per play. and They were the two best defenses in the conference last year. Oklahoma State and Baylor. Yeah. Not a coincidence they were in the Big 12 championship game. Right. Well,
1: and really the, this surge of defense in the Big 12 over the last five, really, I'd say about over the last three to five years um, I feel like the crazy wild offense Wild West stuff kind of started sunsetting in 17, 18, 19 somewhere in there but really I think a lot of the credit goes to Matt Campbell and yep, I was about to say this, uh, um, this kind of revolutionizing figuring out how to slow down the uh, extreme spread offenses that ruled the Big 12 for the better part of a decade and since then you've seen a lot of copycats across the conference. And And across the country, as far as that goes. And and it's worked to... It's made a huge difference. Um, And so, K-State's implemented some of that too, um, which is why you see a guy like Khalid Duke now being kind of a hybrid role rather than just a defensive, a capital D, capital E defensive end. Um, And so, it's... From an X's and O's perspective, the the evolution's been really interesting uh, to watch. And it, this year, I think K State could be the conference's best defense. I
0: I would not be surprised if you're if we're looking at this, we're we're sitting back down here in December, and we look at you know what uh, you know K State has a great year. I think what you're going to look at, obviously, I think the biggest question is you go to the opposite side of the ball. And you see, what are they going to get from Adrian Martinez? I think that's the biggest question on the offensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the ball, not a whole lot of questions there. Maybe safety, as we mentioned. But I think when you look back at, you know, this is a a team that you know won nine or ten games or even maybe more. You look back and say, you know, the reason why they were were so good this year was the defense. And and this is what, you know, really was – what carried the water for Kansas State in 2022. So for K-State to really maybe graduate from that 8, 4, 7, 5 team to being a team that wins 10 games or more, I think the defense is going to be the driving factor behind that. And, and when you have – I mean, you've got studs on, on the defensive line. You've got Eli Huggins. who doesn't get talked about at all. One of the top two or three interior linemen in the conference – You've got Felix Anaduke Uzama, a guy who's a projected first-round pick, preseason All-Big 12 Conference Player of the Year the uh, as a defensive player. Uh, you know, In that respect, linebacking core, solid. Daniel Green has the potential to be a first-team All-Big 12 player. And then you have two guys that it would not surprise me, first and second-team All-Big 12 guys yeah. with Echo Boydo. And Julius Prince at the cornerback position. So when you look at that, you've got playmakers on all three levels. And then you've got guys that could really take that next step, whether it's Sean Robinson at the linebacking position, whether it's Nate Matlack as another defensive end. You have guys that have uh, are kind of on the upward trajectory of what you think that they might be able to do in either expanded roles or new roles for, for, for them. Really excited about this defense here headed into 2022.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's, I think the, you know, our, our bag on offense was there cannot be injuries to these key positions. If if Adrian Martinez goes down, if Deuce Vaughn goes down, then that is a multiple game drop yeah, it's a our injection of, of course. I don't know if the same is true for any defensive player. I mean, I think if Felix goes down, it's a huge blow. But I don't think it's a multiple-game difference. And I think that's a credit to them having, at least on the defensive side of the ball, having high, extremely high-level performers. I think, outside of Deuce, Felix is probably the second-best college football player on our team. But that group behind him, there's not as big of a drop-off between uh, Felix to, to... Nate Matlack to Stufflebean, whoever. I feel better about what's backing them up and that the foundation of this year's defense is just a little bit stronger uh, than the offense. And that's why I think that I'm not, I don't think the offense is going to be the top offense in the Big 12. I think it could be a top three or four offense. And if it is, I think K State's going to have a great season. But I think this K State defense could be the best defense in the Big 12 this
0: year. I agree.
1: I agree. So let's go in the, in the margin of error. Yeah, in terms of, it's not razor thin injury wise, uh, like I think the offense is at a lot of spots.
0: So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about some X factors. We we we've kind of gone through everyone that we expect to contribute really this year. If you had to narrow out, you know, two or three guys that you think really can bring this le- can bring their level uh, that maybe they weren't asked to do as much in, in previous years, but maybe they're ready for showtime now. Or guys that are are yeah uh,
1: no I have, I have two names and one is Nate, one is Nate Matlack yep um, a guy that I think can really benefit from you know being in Felix's shadow and and face fewer double teams and and really have a chance to get into the backfield and make teams pick their poison I think if he can play at a high level then this then picked off quarterbacks are just going to have a hell of a time doing anything. Um, and my second guy is Will Honus. Um, I think that that second linebacker spot, I, I'm just a little dodgy on. I'm not quite sure what we're going to get out of Honus, but um, I think that is the other spot that if he can play it, uh, at a decently high level, then there's, I, you look up and down the defense and there's like, it doesn't really seem it's hard to spot a weakness. Um, and so I, I think, uh, yeah, uh, Nate and Will Honus having big years would take this K-State defense to a national level of uh, eliteness.
0: You know, I think that that's a, those are two guys that I was definitely going to point out. As I kind of went through there, you know, I, I in my uh, kind of summer summarizing this defense, hit on Nate Matlack. Two guys that I'm going to point out, Sean Robinson. I think yeah. he, I think he plays a huge role, and he's got, got a guy is a guy with some experience, not only in the in the back end of the secondary, but uh, physical enough to to, hit, to drop down the box uh, to you know stop the run. That's a guy I'm looking at, and then another guy I'm looking at is Kobe Savage at, at one of those uh, safety positions. He's earned rave reviews uh, here in in, uh, in fall camp. It's a guy I'm counting on, uh, but once again, I think that this defense is really going to be led by the stars, uh, which I've already ran through. I think it's going to be a really uh, talented team, and really with what I see, when, when I go back to it, you, you mentioned Nate Malik, and one thing I want to point out there, because that's a guy I'm super excited about here, here in 2022, is I go back a little bit to that 2016 Kansas State team. Hmm. Um, you look at what Jordan Willis did that year. He, I believe he was defensive player of the, uh, of the year in the conference that year. Uh, really a nice player for Kansas State. But you know who else had a really good year that year? It was Reggie Walker, the other defensive imposition. Yeah. You get a guy that's going to be you know, top of the scout report with Felix Anaduke Azama. Uh, it, it allows guys like whether if it's uh, who I think is probably the leading candidate there, Nate Matlack, to to get a little few a few more one on posi- uh, one one on uh, one matchups with with an offensive tackle because uh, you know most times on, on passing downs they're going to either ha- have uh, a chip on on Felix Duque Uzama or they're going to uh, just say we're going to flat out double team this guy. Right. Uh, with two offensive linemen, so and then maybe even have a safe or even have a running back chip on him. Then, so you might be seeing double and triple teams for him uh, on, on passing downs this year in some cases. It's a defense that I, I have a lot of um, I have a lot of anticipation is going to be one of these these uh, these top units in the conference, and I think a good test early on is that Missouri game. Yeah, uh, and, and I I think we maybe talked about it on, on our last episode. Is I, I, am, I look at this Missouri game, and I think this is a great litmus test for where K-State finds themselves going into the, the conference season here in 2022. You know, it's, there's been some comparisons to how this um, – because it's a, it's a big-name uh, out-of-conference uh, opponent. Probably the biggest one we've had since, I guess, 2014 with Auburn – uh, but a lot of comparisons have been drawn to, because that Auburn team was top 10, top I think maybe even top 5 when they came into Manhattan that year. Uh, well, there's Stanford. Stanford, I, I, I'm going to say a home game. We'll oh, all okay. we'll, tweak it a little bit there. Uh, but in terms of when K-State's had a pretty darn good team, you know, in 2016 we didn't quite know exactly what we had, uh, had, had going on uh, there, but... Uh, and, and even last year, we didn't quite know exactly what we were going to be expecting right. with, with this team. But if K State's able, as they were in 2012, to just blow the doors off Miami, start thinking, well, this team. We knew this team was pretty good last year, but they won a ton of close games in 2011. You know, how for real is this team here in 20 uh, 2012?" Because I remember in that week going into that Miami game, lots of national media saying, oh, this is where the U uh, reestablish thems, themselves, and they get a big win here, in case they shut that thing down from the, from the get-go. It yeah. and, and really uh, parlayed that uh, into going on, into winning the Big 12 that year, used it as a springboard uh, to, to really establish themselves as one of the premier teams in the league, I think that same opportunity exists when Missouri comes to town on September 10th.
1: Yeah, and we'll uh, start looking at uh, our con- our uh, season preview, the actual each game by game here yep. uh, here in the coming weeks. But yeah, I mean, and really, I think you could, even before that. I think South Dakota is uh, a game that K-State goes out there and it's a laugher from the get-go. That I think that's a pretty darn good sign because. You know, we've struggled with FCS teams in the past. Yeah, have. I'd have felt a lot better last year if the, uh, who was it, uh, Southern Illinois? Yeah, if if that game was just a laver from start to finish, that would have, um, you know, given me a better feeling after that game. Uh, but I think the Missouri game is really where we're going to see. Okay, is this is this team one that's going to be pretty good, or is this one that could really step up and win the conference. And we should know by the second week of September, kind of at least what have an idea of what we're looking at in terms of the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that wraps it up here for the defense. Unless there's anything else you would like to, to tack on here, Dell.
1: No, the, the only thing, and we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but uh, one more X factor is guys like Robert Hintz. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and... What, uh, Samalu? Yeah, yeah. Um, because Uso. Uso. Yeah. And only because, uh, you know, Eli Huggins is as good as he is. That Those nose guards don't play, you know, 90% of the snaps. They That's a position that gets rotated out quite a bit. We saw that with Timmy Horn last year. Yep. Which is why Timmy Horn and Eli Huggins played so much. They were on field at the same time for the most part, but they were each getting a lot of time. And so... Uh, for the 25%, 30% of the snaps that Huggins isn't on the field, those guys are going to have to be able to not have a huge drop-off behind Eli Huggins.
0: Well, let's get folks caught up here on, on kind of what the schedule looks like here for the short side option here in the coming weeks. Next week, I'm giving you the week off, Dell. I'm, I'm letting you take some time to get your body right here for the season because I'm going to be very smart with how I handle you. Good. Yeah. I, I don't want to just be smart. I want to be very smart. Thanks, Echo. And, and we're going to take the week off. We're going to recharge.
1: Grind. Drink but, some coffee. Drink some coffee. Watch all 22.
0: All, that's all we do is watch all 22. That's that's all we do. Yeah. But then, after next week, the week following, folks, is game week. And we've got South Dakota coming in. We're going to give a preview of that game. And we're also going to give you our game-by-game Big Twelve winners and losers. Who's going to rise to the top? Forty-five games, forty-five Big Twelve games this year. And we're going to pick every single one of
1: them. I've already, I've already picked mine. Now I may make some changes.
0: And you're entitled to do that.
1: But right now, I have, I
0: got forty-five games picked. I know who's going to win the conference.
1: I know who's not going
0: to win. The well, conference. we've already kind of let the cat out of the bag on who's going to win the conference. Yeah, we, We've already gone we, on record. As far as I know, we're the only people that have gone on the record to pick Kansas State to win the Big 12 title this year. So that, that's a spoiler, I guess, if if there is one.
1: Yeah, I was reading an article in The uh, Athletic today. I saw the same one. Um, it kind of talked about dark horses. And all three of the guys all said Kansas State's the dark horse. And then who's going to win the conference? Baylor, Oklahoma State. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Come
0: get on. real. Let's, let's, I mean, you can't go out. You're not a serious
1: college football player or a college football analyst if, if you make picks like that.
0: You're not. It's sad. Sad and it's bad.
1: It's sad. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait. It's my favorite, uh, yearly tradition where we sit down and, and go through them all and, and get people, uh, feel free to participate along with us. Um, yeah. And I'll fill in and, and you, we can all go game by game together and you can sit by your radio and, uh, and, uh. See how close we are.
0: Yeah, and you know we've got some great events. uh, You know, also coming up at Manhattan Brewing Company. Uh, I I know, as I uh, mentioned, uh, we're we're recording here on Thursday night, but uh, when you're listening to this on Friday, uh, they're having the Golden Cats release party. Uh, So excited for that! The Golden Ale uh, benefiting uh, to the Golden Cats uh, of our former players here at Kansas State. So a great cause to get out there for. Uh, but man, football's in the air, baby. Absolutely, it's cooled down a little bit too. Hasn't that been nice? It's
1: lovely. I love August.
0: Yeah, well, I, I usually usually don't love August, but this this August is ruled. But this is the this is such a great time of year. Oh yeah, absolutely. everybody is undefeated. Everyone's undefeated. The Yankees are in a pennant race. Yeah. Uh, you know, just just none. The
1: Royals are having a good time. Hanging yeah, out there, buddies. Yeah,
0: they're they're, they're sitting there <laughs>
1: building lifelong friendships over there in Coffman.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So lots to look forward to, uh, but this is just the beginning, folks. For what should be an exciting season here on the Short Side Option Podcast, we're gonna we're pumped to bring it to you. Yeah, every week. Oh, and by the way, this brings me to a, a listener, a couple of listeners have pointed this out to me uh, here since our last podcast about the mystery of of Daniel Gonzalez. Yes. And, and I f- would feel remiss if I didn't share this with our listeners now, but Daniel Gonzalez used to work at uh, at Tubbs. Right. And I, yeah. I believe uh, ascended into like a, a management role there uh, at one point or another. Nothing but great reviews on the guy. Said he was a terrific person and, and, and a great case stater. And, and what a weapon back there. He, is he going to punt? He might just is he take gonna off. He's going to take off and run? Yeah. Is he going to throw the ball to himself? No, nah, that's not legal. He can't do that. Not anymore. Yeah, not options back there. Multiple. 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 A multiple that's, punt year That's what thats what you look for. That's yeah. what you look for. So we did get that clarification. Uh, so shout out to Daniel Gonzalez. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think we might be hearing a little bit more from him later on this season.
1: Yeah. I, I feel like this won't be the last time we have uh, to bring up Daniel. You know, that
0: that folks, and it, that's what we in the industry call a tease. Yep. Right there. So that'll do it here for us on this episode of the short side option. Hey, if you guys have some X factors to watch on defense... You'll let us know, all right? Thanks for listening to the Short Side Option Podcast. As always, for, for the icon, for D. thanks for listening, and go Cats.